Well, it's a privilege not to preach every Sunday that I get that privilege, uh, but it's also a privilege to welcome Morgan Jackson from Faith Comes by Hearing. Uh, some of you have heard of this organization. What they do uh, is basically they put the Word of God into right now about how many languages? Over a thousand languages or dialects of different languages. So I'm not going to tell his story. I'm going to let him tell that. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a privilege to have you with us. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Now, I come from cold country. We have snow. And I did not expect to be freezing in Hong Kong. Um... But we are having a wonderful time. Uh, My father is here with me, and he's speaking at St. Stephen's with Jackie Pullinger, and so we're enjoying a wonderful time. Now, I'm going to be talking to you today about how God is reaching the 50% of the world who is poor and illiterate, and actually the whole world. But half of the world cannot read And they speak one of 7,100 different languages. And so translators around the world have been translating Bibles. But about 30 years ago, these translators began to come to us and say, You know, Morgan, we finished a translation of the Bible. We gathered the people. We sold the Bibles. But when we came back, we found the Bible with pages missing. And we said, why are the pages missing out of the Bible? And they said, well, pastor, you told us that man cannot live by bread alone. And so we cannot read the Bible. So every day we tear a page out of the Bible and we put it in the soup and we eat it. In Nigeria, we found out they buy four Bibles when they build a house. And they can't read. So what they'll do is they push the Bible into the cement on the corners Because they've heard if you build your house on the word of God, your house will not fall. (laughs) So we find them sleeping on Bibles. We find them hanging Bibles from rafters to ward away evil spirits. But that does not make the word of God come into your heart. So because I'm going to be talking about oral people and all oral people communicate their wisdom through stories, I'm going to start with a story. So in Africa, there was a crocodile and a monkey. And every day, the crocodile would swim upriver to the palm tree where the monkey was. And the monkey would come down out of the tree, and they would play, and they would have a good time. Well, one day when the crocodile went home, he found out that his father was very, very sick and was dying. So he went to the elders, and he said, Isn't there a medicine or a potion that you can make that would heal my father? And they said, yes, there is, but we're missing one thing. And without it, the potion won't work. And he said, well, what are you missing? And they said, oh, a heart of a monkey. We need the heart of a monkey. Oh. So the crocodile thought all night. He, he, but, you know, as he thought, he loved his father so much that he knew what he must do. So first thing in the morning, he swam back up to the river. He comes to the palm tree where the monkey, his friend, is. They play a little bit, and then he says, you know, every day I come and I play with you. I know your family. I know your friends. But you, you've never come and seen my family. You've never been to my home. And the monkey says, well, but you've never invited me. If you invite me, I'll come. So the crocodile says, today I'm inviting you. Come. But it's a long ways, so get on my back, and we'll go down the river. So the monkey very happily jumps on the back of the crocodile, and 
they begin to go downriver. But the crocodile begins to feel badly about what he is going to do to his friend. And so he begins to talk about how his father is sick and the monkey's very concerned. Can't you create a medicine or a potion to heal him? Well, yes, but we're missing something. And the monkey said, well, what are you missing? He said, well, actually the heart of a monkey. <laughs> so the monkey, the, but the riverbank is a long ways away. And the monkey says to him, I wish you had told me because I would eagerly give my heart to save your father. But monkeys are not like crocodiles. We don't keep our hearts with us. My heart is back in the palm tree. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the crocodile says, oh, I'm so sorry. She says, so we have to go all the way back so I can get my heart. So they go all the way back. And, of course, when they get to where the palm tree is, that monkey's gone. <laughs> now, today, if you left your heart back in your house, if you're thinking about how cold it is or if you're thinking about what you're going to eat after service, and your heart's anywhere else, it's not going to do me any good. So what I would like you to do right now is I'd like you to bow your heads, and I would like you to go get your hearts, because I want you to hear what I'm going to say with your heart. So bow your head, please. Lord, I ask that you would go and gather the hearts of these people. Lord, I ask that we would each remove any concerns that we have, any thoughts that we have, and that our minds and our hearts would be fully focused on hearing what we're going to hear in the next little bit, Lord. I ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thirty years ago, we began to record the Bible. Our ministry is 43 years old, but at first we did all of our work with Americans. And so we were providing audio Bibles to Americans because Americans are busy. And so 80% of American Christians don't read the Bible. They're too busy. So what we did is we produced an audio Bible so that we could listen in our cars, we could listen in our homes. The average American spends 45 minutes in a car. So just 28 minutes in the car and you'll go through the New Testament every 40 days. You'll go through the whole Bible in six months, just listening in the car, just halfway. So we worked with 137,000 churches in the United States. But then nationals started coming to us. Foreigners started coming to us. Missionaries started coming to us. And they said, 99% of my people are illiterate. They can't read. We translated the Bible. Only 20 people can read the Bible. Help us. So we began to record the New Testament in a dramatized form. Because oral people, anything that's important will come in a story or a drama or a song so they can memorize it, they can remember it. So I remember we did this, but then how do we get them the Bible? They, they make 60 cents, dollar a day, two dollars a day. They have no electricity, and we can't afford to give everyone one. How do we bring the Word of God to them? And so as I began to pray, I looked at the Bible. Now in the Old Testament, everybody had a Bible, right? Oh, they didn't. There was no printing presses. There was no education, right? And how many copies of the Bible were there? One, right? Because remember, they lost it during the time of Josiah. Where did they lose it? Oh, in the church. That's amazing, isn't it? So how did the whole nation of Israel receive the word of God? Well, the Bible says that, Jesus, that the God said... Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. So in Deuteronomy 31, 
It says that every seven years, God commanded that the whole nation of Israel would be assembled. And for eight days during the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Trumpets, the word of God would be heard. So the high priest would come out in the morning, stand up on a platform, roll out the scroll of Genesis, and the whole nation, three million people would be assembled. Other priests and Levites would be standing on other platforms that said every man, every woman, every child, and every foreigner was to be assembled. So behind him, would you would have the Aramean, the Egyptians, translators. So as the high priest would read the word of God in Hebrew, the others would repeat it, and they would be translating it to the nations. And so over eight days, they would hear Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So I said, wow, that's how it was done. Then I looked in the Bible. Joshua does it in the Valley of Decision. And then I look. Nobody obeys that command until you get to Josiah. Josiah has lost the Bible. The Bible's in the temple. They're rebuilding the temple. They find it, and he then reads it, and he hears the command to read it to the nation. He does, and you have the greatest revival in the history of the Jewish nation. The second great revival is Nehemiah. They're in captivity 70 years. They come back. Everybody says, we've never, for 70 years, we haven't heard the Bible. Bring the words of the book out. So they do. Wow. Then we looked at Jesus. Now, Jesus was a wonderful pastor. So he wrote the whole New Testament, right? Oh. Did Jesus ever write anything? Oh, you're forgetting But what did he write in the sand? We don't know. So did you realize that almost all of Jesus' disciples were illiterate? Only Matthew. Matthew was the only one that we know was was illiterate. Remember when they came before the priests, the Sanhedrin, and they said, how did these guys get such knowledge seeing as they are unschooled? So they had to memorize, according to oral tradition, all of Jesus' teaching with his exact accent. So when they went village by village by village, they were preaching the Sermon on the Mount. They were preaching the parables of Jesus. So we said, ah, can we do that same thing? Can we take one audio Bible into a village or into a church and give it to them and say, will you do a Josiah? Will you do a Moses? Will you do a Nehemiah? Will you gather all of the people together and let them hear the word of God? And so what we did is we took the Bible and we put it on a tool like this. We call it a proclaimer. So it has a solar panel. The batteries recharge 3,000 times. So you can hear the New Testament 1,000 times. Now, I have an agreement with God. If you listen to the New Testament 1,000 times, you can just go straight to heaven. (laughs) If he argues with you, come and talk to me. So the sun recharges the battery. If you don't see the sun, I haven't seen the sun here for a week. So if you don't see the sun, you can crank this for 10 minutes, and it'll recharge it enough that you can play it for 40 minutes. Now, it's loud enough that about 1,000 people can hear it. So I hear you have three to 500 people in the church. Let's see if everybody here can hear this. A slide. Malachi, Genesis, Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that... Now, did everybody hear that? All right. Now, you heard the drama, right? The music, the effect, the voice of God. So I took this to the Konkombas in Ghana, West Africa. And we went to the village. There was elders, the chief, and we brought it to them. And we said, listen, we have the word of God in Konkomba. Would you like to listen? And they said, ah, no. God doesn't speak Konkomba. He only speaks English. <laughs> now, what I have found around the world is all the small language groups have been told their language is the language of monkeys and dogs, that they're stupid, and that God, if you want to talk to God, you have to learn French, Spanish, Mandarin, English. God doesn't speak your language, you filthy animals. And so I said, no, 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 no. The Bible, God speaks Konkomba. And so I pushed the button, and out of the black box comes Konkomba. Oh, they start laughing. They start crying. Wait, 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 wait. They grab a gong gong, piece of metal. Bah, 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 bah. They go through the whole village. Bah, 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 bah. This is calling everybody. So nobody is missing. Everybody's under the tree. So they're sitting there waiting. I bring out the audio Bible. We push the button, and all sound in the village just is gone. Nobody moves for 45 minutes. 45 minutes later, you stop the button, you watch them, they're going, because they come out of the story. Because what we found out is oral people cannot separate themselves from the story. If it's in their own language, they literally enter the story, and it's as if Jesus is talking to them directly. So they go, ah, he speaks Konkomba. Ah, he can address us directly. We don't need a translator to talk to God. God is from among us. And then the old men say, rewind it. We want to hear the genealogy again. And they listen to the genealogy three and four times. Now, I don't understand why. But over the next five years, as we recorded more languages and we sent the Bible out, so many places, our vision was to disciple the people. Because among the poor, 98% of the people have never been able to read or hear the New Testament. So our goal was they're beating their wives, they're worshiping other gods, they're going to the soothsayer and putting curses on people. They're having sex with other people. And then on Sunday, they're back in the church singing and praying and shouting. And so we said they need to know Jesus. They need to know the Word of God. So we have them hear the Bible. But so many people were coming to Christ from hearing the Bible. We, I began to ask the question, what story or stories caused you to come to Christ when you heard the Bible? And one out of three times they'd say, oh, when I heard the genealogy of Jesus, that's when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was like, what? One village or community, the Kabye people in Togo said, oh, Morgan, the genealogy was so powerful that we created a song out of the genealogy. And the way we do evangelism is we go to a village that has never heard about Jesus, we sing the genealogy of Jesus, and then we invite people to come to faith. Right? You know that part of the Bible that you say, okay, when you read it, just skip? No, 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 no. So about four years ago, I was in San Jose, and I was with some Christian business leaders, and I shared those two stories about genealogy. And a white business guy comes up to me after the meeting, and he is mad at me. He is like, you're deceiving people. The genealogy has no value. This is stupid. Well, right behind him was a black guy from Zimbabwe. 
And this black guy starts defending me. He goes, no, 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 no. The genealogy is my favorite part of the Bible. And the white guy looked at him like he had two heads. He goes, no, no, no. You have to understand our culture. He says, in our culture, we don't care what school you went to. We don't care how wealthy you are. The only right you have to speak is based on who your daddy's daddy's daddy is. Who's your genealogy? So before anybody of importance speaks, somebody has to stand up and give their genealogy. So he says, I come from a very important tribe. I come from a chieftain clan, and I am the firstborn of my father, who's the firstborn of his father, who's the firstborn of his father. So when we come, there's a tribal event, we have to go back. When we go back to the village, he says, all of the people will come. The aunties of my father will teach everybody our genealogy and song. So when we come to the village, they will come out dancing and singing, Enoch, son of Zechariah, son of Enoch. And they can sing our genealogy back 10 to 12 generations. So you can imagine in all of the villages where they thought God had forgotten them, you bring the Bible in their language, you put it in the village, and when you push the button, out of it comes the Word of God in their language. <gasps> There's shock. But then, according to their tradition, the first thing it says is, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So immediately, that's how you introduce somebody of importance. Everybody, who is it? And it says, Abraham is the father of Isaac. Isaac is the father of Jacob. Now, everybody in Af Africa knows Abraham because of Islam and Christianity. So they listen with amazement while the genealogy goes 14 generations to David. It's quiet. Then it goes 14 generations from David to the Babylonian exile. By this time, the quiet is palpable. You can feel it. Nobody moves or nobody twitches. Then it goes 14 generations to Jesus. By this time, nobody moves. Everybody's in shock. Then, because nobody, they've never heard from anybody like this. Then a virgin gives birth to a child. John the Baptist comes screaming out of the wilderness, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And people are immediately, they know their sin in Africa. They're all afraid to die. Jesus confronts the devil, comes out, chooses his disciples, heals people. Then he stands up on the mountain to preach. The concombas make 60 cents a day. And they're listening to Jesus. And what does he tell them? Blessed are the poor. No, they say. No. Blessed are the wealthy, not the poor. What are you talking about? Blessed are the meek. No, no, no. Blessed are the powerful, not the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. No, 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 no. Blessed are those that are happy and party. Blessed are the merciful. No. Blessed are those that don't have to show mercy. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. By the time Jesus is done with the Sermon on the Mount, he has literally shredded their beliefs. And when they come out of the story, they have a problem. Because he has the greatest genealogy of anybody they have ever heard from. So his right to speak is absolute. So you know that part of the Bible that you and I skip? For over half the world, that is the most important part of the Bible. And so as a mission, we have begun to record the Bible in language after language after language. Now, some of the times we look at the illiterate people and we say, oh, these people are illiterate. They're not very smart. No, 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 no. That's not true. 
Five years after this first experience, I was among the concombas. And you're out in a village, you know, there's, it's at night. It's, it's not minus whatever. It's 95 degrees. It's 100% humidity. It's hot. It's dark. They have a little kerosene lantern in the church. There's no windows and doors in the church because you want a breeze because it's so hot. There's about 120 people, but you can only see about 20 of the people in the church because of the light. When I look outside, there was about 100 people standing outside milling around. So I asked the pastor, I said, who are those people? He said, oh, those are the Muslims and the traditional worshipers. I said, well, what are they doing out there? He said, oh, nobody wants to miss the stories. Okay, you know. So they pushed the button. They've been listening about six months. All sound in the, in the church, gone. Outside, gone. Nobody for 45 minutes, dead quiet. Then when they stop it, people come out of the story and they have a flashlight. And so people ask questions. So somebody raises their hand and they put the flashlight and you just kind of see eyes and teeth kind of come out of the darkness, you know. And this guy's yelling, why did Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac? Didn't he know they'd go into the pigs? He's upset. Somebody else raises their hand, you know, eyes come out. No, no, no. The demons asked Jesus for permission. He gave them permission to go into those pigs. Everybody's like, ah, that's right. So I quickly, I'm, you know, my flashlight translator, I'm finding the story. Okay, the demoniacs, Jesus, legion of dinners, cast them out into the pigs. Pigs in the water, they're dead. Okay, got the story. So people keep asking questions. Somebody else raised their hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. But did Jesus know that the demons were going to kill the pigs? Everybody's like, ah, yeah. Somebody else raised their hand. Jesus knows everything. Everybody's like, oh, he does. You know, and so then there's a guy around the corner. He raises his hand. He goes, uh, did Jesus reimburse the village for the pigs? (laughs) I think he's the local business guy, you know. Now, in Africa, they herd communally. So 20 of those were yours, 30 of those were yours, 50. So this is like somebody coming to your church on Sunday, taking all the cars in your parking lot, picking them up and dumping them into the ocean, and then taking the insane guy and saying, here, look what I did for you. And you'd be saying, uh, I owed about 200000 you know, what are you, and so... The, the people are upset because they're thinking, if we invite Jesus to our village, will he destroy our economy? So they're in the story. The old men said, no, 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 no. We think we know why Jesus did it. They name a man in the village insane and demon-possessed. And they say, Jesus was, they say, you know we would rather this man died than one of our pigs. Everybody's like, ah, yeah. He said, that's right. So what Jesus was trying to show us is that for him... The value of a man's soul is worth more to him than the whole economy of our village. And so I'm sitting on a dirt floor in Africa going, wow. And so I have learned more from illiterate people around the world as they enter the story than from many of the churches I attend. Now, as we have traveled the world, we see people coming to faith around the world in all the different cultures. KY and I were in Cambodia. And when you go to Cambodia, it's Buddhist. Do you know what part of the Bible they like the best? They like acts. Because they go to the soothsayer or to the shamans, to the Buddhist monks, and they weave for them a string. And the string, they have these different strings, and one wards away poverty, one wards away sickness, one wards away cancer, one is this way. 
And so they have this string and they're afraid ever to cut it because if they cut it, all the evil that they were warding away will now come. And so when they hear the word of God and they hear Acts where Jesus, uh, the disciples cast out demons and healed the sick, they have faith to cut the string. And that all of their reliance for healing, for anything, comes from Jesus Christ. Now when we were in Cambodia, there was two women that I met that had great impact on me. One of these women was on an island with 80,000 people. Her daughter was sick. She was coming to a hospital. She met a Christian on the way. They heard about her daughter. They said, can we pray? They prayed for her. The daughter was healed. So they said, please, please come to the island when you bring people. So they had a team of orphans that have been raised up in the church. And they called them lions and tigers. So these lions that have been raised up in God that were orphans now go and they evangelize. So they evangelize and they bring her a proclaimer. So she's illiterate, but she takes this proclaimer and she's using it everywhere. So pretty soon she has 20 different listening groups and people are coming to faith. So she has somebody call and say, listen, I have 20 groups. Can you come again and can you bring 20 of these devices? So they came back, they brought 20 devices. And so then about a year later, she calls up and she says, okay, now I have 200 listening groups. Can you bring 200 devices? And so they brought 200. Now, people were hearing scripture. She was casting demons out. They were coming to her, this illiterate woman. She was healing them. So when we visited, over 20,000 people had come to faith in Christ. They had 400 of these proclaimers, which had some 2,000 listening groups. 20,000 had come to grace. 40,000 people had heard about Jesus from one illiterate woman. We saw another woman. She had one of the small proclaimers. She was... A widow, she had AIDS, and so and she ran a little store along the, the, just a little place where you could buy gas in, in a bottle, and you could buy some drinks. And so she sat with a small proclaimer, and she would just play the Bible 24 hours a day whenever she was there. And they told us that over the last five years, she has won over 5,000 people to Christ. Because as they come, and they have their Coke, she says, sit, listen. They sit and listen, they ask questions, and they come to faith in Christ. But in Buddhist culture, she has, she's a widow, she has AIDS, nobody wants to be around her. And yet Jesus Christ has completely restored this illiterate woman. So one of the things I love is the audio Bible allows people who have been rejected by their community to hear the word of God. Right now in China, this year we will start over 13,000 listening programs among the more rural provinces with the CCC and with the Catholic Patriotic Movement. And so we bring the Word of God, and sometimes they will use one proclaimer in 30 different listening groups. And one of the things that I find amazing is the biggest change that happens in the lives of these people, many of them Christians, is they begin to forgive. Bitterness is deep in the hearts, especially of the women. Because many of the women are in the church. They have, they have gotten pregnant. And then they find out the child is a girl. And the parents say, no, 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 no. We have one child. It has to be a boy. And so they take and the child is aborted. Now, every woman knows that the safest place that a child should ever have is in the mother. 
And to have a child killed inside your body destroys a piece of your soul. So one of these women was talking, and she talked about the bitterness of her soul. The next pregnant, she said, she said was a boy. The family and her were excited, and some of the damage in her heart was restored. But over the next years, her husband would see her, wanted to have sex, and eight different times she became pregnant. Eight different times she had to go because of the government, because of family, and that baby had to be killed. Nine children killed in her womb. And the anger and the bitterness in her soul began to grow and grow and grow. Finally, she told her husband, no more. I will not kill another child. If you want a mistress, if you want sex, go find a mistress. But I will not have sex with you anymore. And so in this situation, the Word of God is the only thing. Jesus Christ is the only thing that can heal. And so in these rural areas, in these villages now, throughout China, the audio Bible is being heard and people are gathering. Many of them cannot read or hear the Word of God. Last year I was in China and we were in a church, and we were giving away free printed Bibles. I was with a ministry, uh, the Gideons, and they were giving away free Bibles. And so we went to a, a rural area. 5,000 people had assembled because they heard that if you didn't have a Bible, you were a Christian, that they would give you a Bible. We had worship. We had choir. When it was all done, we began to give away Bibles. And so I was given several boxes, and I was handing out Bibles. And I remember coming to an old lady, older lady and you could see the darkness of her face from working in the fields. And when you touched her hands, you could feel the calluses from the, the hose and from the work she has done. And as she looked at me, I looked up and I could see the tears falling off her face and down her chin as she received the first Bible that she had ever owned. But as I handed it to her, the Lord asked me a question. Morgan, can she read? And I said, no. And in that moment, there was a deep fear in my heart because I thought God was going to say, then do not give her that Bible. But she looked like my mother. And I was just, I was like, Lord, please. He said, will you give her the Bible? Oh, yes, Lord. Can you not give it to her? I said, please, Lord, please let me give it to her. And as she's holding the Bible and I'm thinking God might make me take it back, he said, if you give it to her, you must tell others that there are women like her that cannot read. So what is she going to do with that Bible? The Lord asked me. I said, she's going to fold it carefully, wrap it in a cloth, and tonight she will sleep on it. She will pray that the words of that book will come into her heart. How will she get the words of the book? She will get them because people like you and I are going to fund audio Bibles so they can gather in groups, just one. It takes one audio Bible to start at least two groups and to reach 100 people. Don't you think it's everybody's right to have the Bible? Just because I'm illiterate. The Bible says faith comes by... The disciples were illiterate. Did they read or did they hear God's Word? Now... How are we going to reach the world? Right now, what you don't know is in the world, there are 2,000 languages that have a New Testament translation. We have recorded 1,000 of them. That means 85% of the world 
has an audio and a text in their own language. We will record the other 1,000 languages in the next five years. That means 2,000 languages. That means 95% of the world will have an audio and a text of the New Testament in their own language. But there's another 1,000 languages that have 5, 10, 20 books of the Bible done, portions done. And if we can do those, that means 97% of the world will have a text and an audio in their own language. Why is that important? Because the Great Commission says that we have to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, the word nation is ethnos, which means language, tribe, and people. And in Matthew 24, 14, what does it say? The gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the whole world and to every ethnos, nation, language, people. Then the end will come. When is the end going to come? Once every nation has heard the word of God. Remember in Revelation, he said, I saw on the throne people from every language, tribe, nation, people, twice. So you and I are actually living in the first generation in the history of the world where every language, tribe, nation, and the people will have a translation of the Bible in their own language. And technology is now such that 93% of the world have one of these. So we have an app called Bible Is. If you put that app on your phone, you can actually have all, almost 1,000 languages that we have on your phone. So I always go. I have my Bible Is app. I open it. The other day I was in a restaurant in uh, Los Angeles, very busy Denny's. So I open my app, Bible Is, and up on the right-hand corner it says Bibles. So when I touch Bibles, it has a search, version, language, country. I always do country because when there's... 1,225 languages, trying to find the language can be difficult. So the lady throws me, a waitress throws me a ticket, and she says, bless you. And I said, whoa, 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 you have an accent. So where are you from? So I pull my app up, I go country. She says, Ethiopia. I click Ethiopia. I say, okay, what language do you speak? Because there's 25 languages we have recorded for Ethiopia. She said, Tigrinya. So I touch Tigrinya. So when I touch Tigrinya, she said, okay, I hand her the phone. And she's listening to the Bible in Tigrinya. So her eyes get big, and all of a sudden she looks at me, and she goes, And I'm going, I'm a little like this. People in the restaurant are looking over, you know, and she continues to look like this. And then all of a sudden she looks at me and goes, And I'm like, more people are looking. She does it three times. By this time, everybody in the restaurant is going, what's going on at the table? I, and I'm embarrassed. I'm like, what are you doing? She says, I'm blessing you in Ethiopia. And, I, and she says, this is the happiest day of my life. I've never been able to read the Bible or hear the Bible in my own language. If I lose my job, it's okay. I'm like, no, 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 no. Give me your phone. Boom, boom, boom. Bible.is. Boom, boom, boom. Tigrini. She yells at another waitress. She's from Indonesia. She speaks Javanese. Here, da, 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 da. And she's listening. So, the Word of God is going to come here. So I'm going to show you a short video because we are putting the Word of God up on satellites, on end stations, and in the next five years we're creating a virtual mesh network that will allow us to transfer the audio Bible from phone to phone so that you don't need to have any internet, wireless connection. I can walk into your village and from my phone I can ding your phone, ding, and you, you want to hear the Bible in Mandarin? Yes, Boom, you got it. You want to hear the Bible in Farsi, Arabic? Ding. Oh, one question. 
We have 274 million people that we're accessing digitally. Can you guess what the number one language is? English, right? Of course. What's number two? Come on, guess. No, 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 Spanish. What's number three? No, no, no. Arabic. So if you get a Bible in the Middle East, but nobody knows what you're listening to on your phone. So people are having Jesus appear to them, and they're looking for the Word of God, and this is where they're finding it. So you can be part of reaching the whole world for Christ. So Mike? 50% of the world can't read. They're poor, illiterate, and they live without any knowledge that there's a God who loves them and speaks their language. They're people like us. They have hopes and dreams, hurts and fears. The only difference is they've never heard about Jesus till now. Thanks to digital technology and groundbreaking opportunities, this program, the Global Bible Network, is going to make the Bible available in the languages of people, connecting us like never before and giving people an opportunity to hear the good news. Our world is changing at an amazing pace. Today, 93% of the world's population have access to some sort of digital device. For the first time in history, we can get the gospel to every person and we'll leverage technology that others thought simply wasn't possible. We'll use network extension technologies, working with partners to use shortwave and FM and digital spread spectrum. We'll literally be able to deliver the Bible to any kind of device. And we'll be doing it for pennies on the dollar to the most remote regions of the world. This new system is like nothing you've ever seen before. We'll compress the Bible into small packets, deliver it from space, and intelligently route it across a network based on a proprietary language recognition algorithm. This is like nothing you've ever seen before. Are you ready? We call it the Global Bible Network, a hybrid mesh network that does one thing, gets God's word to every human on earth. The Global Bible Network leverages technology by connecting various devices to its proprietary network of nodes. And these nodes are capable of storing and forwarding packets of data even when there's no internet access available. And thanks to big data analytics capabilities, this network allows us to utilize a language recognition algorithm so that we can intelligently deliver the Bible where people are speaking that language specifically. Just imagine the whole world listening and God's word finding every person speaking that language and providing it to them right there on their mobile device. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. System, man-made system, and preach the gospel. So there's one final thing. Each point of presence in this terrestrial network will be interdependent and a force multiplier for the entire system. The network will evolve rapidly, but each emerging technology will allow us to get God's word everywhere 
to everyone. And God is telling us to take it up there. Will you join us and be a part of the Global Bible Network? Amen. So we would invite your church to be a part. Uh, KY is a part of our, KY, would you stand up? KY is a part of our newly formed Asia Board. And so we have a Faith Comes by Hearing Asia Board here that's going to be helping. So we'd invite you to help by either recording languages, providing proclaimers for villages in China, Nepal, or other places. And make sure you download Bible, period, IS, on your phone. And when you see somebody, say, hey, where are you from? Click country, click language, and give them the Word of God. That's just, thank you. Thank you.